On today's show, we're going to look at Jameson Tyone and Luis Severino's 2022 seasons. We're going to look at their best games and possibly some of their worst games. Plus, which Yankee hitters are going to benefit from the shift band? Find out next on an all-new Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, Yankee fans. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also hit the thumbs up button to like our videos and the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. So I hope you're all having a lovely Tuesday evening. We're going to look at Luis Severino and Jamison Tyone. Both had very different seasons. Tyone was pretty healthy the whole time. Luis Severino, not so much. (laughs) So we're going to look at how they did in 2022. And there's one particular Luis Severino game that I forgot about, that I blocked out of my memory, because it was a game in which he did really well, and then his bullpen exploded. And it turned into sort of a laugher. And I think you might know what I'm talking about before I even mention who the opponent was. I will say it happened in May. And I believe it was a doubleheader. I have to double check that, but I believe it was a doubleheader. So, yeah, we're going to look at Severino and Tyone 2022. So, Jameson Tyone went 14-5 and with a 3.91 ERA and 32 starts. He threw 177 and one-third innings, had 151 strikeouts. Now, he had a kind of up-and-down season. His last three starts, though, six innings against Texas on October 4th. Didn't get the decision. He gave up four runs in those six innings. Against Toronto on September 27th, he got the win through seven and one-third innings, only gave up two runs on seven hits, no walks, six strikeouts. And then against Boston on September 22nd, he went six innings, did not give up a run, gave up four hits, struck out eight, and walked one. So he had a pretty solid year. The The knock on Tyone in his first season with the Yankees, at least this is the way I saw it, because from watching the games nearly every single day, um, I noticed about him that he would... It was like he have one bad inning. There'd be one bad inning, a start, that would kind of ruin the start. He'd be cruising along for like two or three innings, maybe even four innings, and then give up three runs. And that seemed to happen to him a lot in 2021. It didn't happen as much in the start of 2022, and then it started happening again. And I feel like this could be... I don't know, what do they call this? Not revisionist history. 
maybe a Mandela effect? I don't know. But I feel like everything went downhill after that good start against the Angels that he made. <laughs> that seemed like his zenith. And he hit his zenith way too soon in the season. And then he kind of went downhill. But, you know, 14-5 and five with a 3.91 ERA isn't terrible. Yes, the ERA is high. And I know wins and losses don't count. But, you know, he, he helped the Yankees win with those starts that he made. So... You know, not terrible, but let's look at his WPA games, the highest. And funnily enough, if I'm looking correctly, that game against the Angels that I mentioned, that's the one where he went eight innings. It was his fifth highest WPA game. His highest was against Tampa on May 27th, the Yankees won 2-0. He went eight innings in that game as well, only gave up two hits, struck out five. And he had a WPA of 0.491, so nearly half a game. Nice job. And his second highest was that Boston game that I just mentioned, the six-inning performance. His third was against Kansas City on July 28th. He went six innings, gave up four hits, no runs. His top four WPA starts, no runs. Didn't give up a run at all. Earned run, regular run. You know, no one did anything behind him to screw him up. And in three of those five top WPA games, he had eight strikeouts. And in the top game, he had five. And in the fifth game, he had five. Interesting. I love when numbers work out like that. Don't you? Yeah. Now let's look at the worst. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yes. Houston, June 23rd. The Yankees ended up winning that game. That was the game where Hicks hit the home run to tie the game and then Judge walked it off. The Yankees ended up winning the game 7-6, but Tyone started that game. He went five and two thirds, gave up six runs on 10 hits, gave up two home runs. His next lowest WPA, because that's the lowest, was an 11-6 loss against Boston on July 10th. He only went five innings, gave up six runs on seven hits, gave up three home runs, and only struck out three. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, out of his worst five games by WPA, the Yankees lost two out of the five and won three out of the five. That's an interesting thing to see happen. Because <laughs> usually you would think if a guy is giving up that many runs. But again, Aaron Hicks and Judge helped him out in that Houston game in the ninth inning. We'll be talking about Aaron Hicks in segment three, by the way. Just a spoiler alert. So yeah, Jamison Tyone... You know, he's a free agent now, so the Yankees can bring him back if they want to. I know the Mets were looking at him, and, you know, it's a possibility of him going elsewhere. I don't mind Tyone. Like I said, I feel like this season was better in that he was more consistent. But I would like for there to be more consistency with Jamison Tyone. I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago. I felt like his season and Garrett Cole's season aside from the strikeouts, because Garrett Cole had more than, a, it was more than 100 more, <laughs> right? Garrett Cole had, what, 257 strikeouts, and Tyone only had 151. But with the way they pitched and how Tyone 
in 2021 would get into trouble like he'd have one bad pitch and give up like a three-run home run and it would ruin the outing because he was like cruising along and then he'd run into a wall and then he would be okay after that I feel like it was the same thing with Cole this season like they were similar in that way so um not a terrible year for Jameson Tyone not fantastic but not terrible you could do worse right That's not a ringing endorsement. Would I mind seeing the Yankees bring him back? Not at all. He knows how to pitch here, and he's he's fine. It's it's fine. Um, you know, the only thing is he just turned 31, which isn't, again, it's not old. It's just he's on the wrong side of 30. But, you know, bring him back for a short-term deal, like maybe one or two, well, maybe like two or three years. I wouldn't mind that if it's not going to cost that much money. But, of course, priority number one, Judge. Bring back Aaron Judge. So in a moment, we're going to talk about Luis Severino and his 2022 performance. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. I really wonder if they had betting for that Excel tournament. If you don't watch the show regularly, I had mentioned that there was an Excel, Microsoft Excel tournament that people were playing and winning and there was a champion and I just thought that was the most amazing thing ever. So go to bet online because they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Luis Severino, 2022. Now, he only went... (laughs) Only... He went seven and three, and that was in 19 starts. He had a 3.18 ERA in 102 innings. He had 112 strikeouts in those 102 innings of work. And, you know, he had that injury that happened that kind of took him out for a little while. And that's the thing that happens with Luis Severino. Unfortunately, it's, I don't even like saying this, but it's true. It's, it's not a matter of if he's going to get injured. It's a matter of when he's going to get injured and how severe the injury is going to be and how many games is he going to miss? Is he going to miss a full season? Is he going to miss a half season? And that's what happened. But when he came back, he was pretty strong. So let's look at his best games by WPA. And his highest WPA number, 0.474, so close to half a win. And that happened on October 3rd against Texas. He threw seven innings, didn't give up a hit, didn't give up a run, walked one, struck out seven. Yankees ended up winning that game 3-1. And then the game that I mentioned, 
Yeah, the next highest. Seven innings, eight hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts, and the Yankees ended up losing that game 5-0 against the White Sox. You remember it. It was game two of a doubleheader, if I'm not mistaken. Ugh, yeah, that was just bad. The White Sox scored five runs in the eighth inning. <laughs> Severino finished the game pitching seven. They take him out for Jonathan Luizaga. And that's when all hell broke loose. And Tim Anderson hit the three-run home run off Miguel Castro after he came in to relieve Luizaga, who had made it 2 nothing. Oh, I remember being very angry that night. It was just so annoying to see them do that to Luis Severino. I felt so bad because he pitched so well and had such a good game. And then after that, his next highest WPA was against Detroit. 3 nothing wins, seven innings, one run, one walk. No, not one run, sorry. One hit, one walk, 10 strikeouts. He actually had a 10-strikeout game against the Cubs on June 10th. That was that crazy Friday night game that he didn't get the decision because it went how many innings? Was it 13, right? And the Cubs and the Yankees had a lot of trouble scoring in that game. He had 10 strikeouts in that game, and that was his seventh best game by WPA. Actually, the Yankees only lost that Chicago White Sox game out of his top 10. Yeah. And his best inning performance or most innings pitched was that game against the White Sox, the game against Detroit, and the game against Texas that I mentioned. He hit seven innings in those three games. He only did it three times this season, but again, he only started 19 times. As for lowest WPA games for Luis Severino, oh yeah, Cincinnati July 13th, the Yankees ended up winning that game. But he only lasted two innings, gave up four runs on four hits with two walks, one strikeout, and he gave up three home runs. He gave up three home runs. And his second lowest WPA game was against the Kansas City Royals on May 1st. Yankees ended up winning that game, but Severino only went five, gave up four runs on seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts, one home run. And let's see, that game, yeah, that game against Cincinnati was his worst home run performance. Only three home run game of the season for Severino. Again, only 19 games for him. The Yankees went 13-6 and six in those 19 games when Severino started, and he went 7-3 and three overall. It's just health with him. That's the biggest concern with Luis Severino is health because man when he comes back into a game or when he comes back into a season and you know it, it's always like it's almost as if the Yankees are trading for a pitcher and they get him and then he pitches in the playoffs and does pretty well you know I'm not worried about Luis Severino in the playoffs he's one of the guys I'm actually excited to see pitch in the playoffs it's just the health thing so not a bad season, but could have been better if not for that gap of time in which he was not pitching for the Yankees. So, yeah, I would just like to see him healthier in 2023, but 
when have we ever seen, <laughs> I feel like Luis Severino is almost never healthy. He's had two seasons where he's been healthy out of seven. 2019, 2021, no 2020. You know, so 2017 and 2018 were his big seasons. 2017, 2.98 ERA, 14 and 6, 193 and one-third innings. In 2018, he had 191 and one-third innings, 339 ERA. He was 19 and 8. He was amazing that year. I would like to I would like a return of a hybrid, Luis Severino of 2017-2018. Luis Severino. That would be great. So in a moment, who is going to benefit from the shift? Ban. <laughs> I will, because I won't have... I, I don't like the shift. Should I admit this now? We'll talk about it in the next segment. But first... So, uh, yeah, who will benefit from the shift ban? I mentioned Anthony Rizzo in his episode. I feel like there are a lot of times where he had hits taken away from him because he pulls the he tends to pull the ball and they tend to shift for him a lot. And yeah, I feel like he's going to benefit. But it seems Aaron Hicks is also going to benefit from this shift ban. Gary Phillips of SI.com. Which Yankee hitters will benefit most from MLB's shift restrictions? That's right. It's not really a ban. It's a restriction. They're going to like limit things and limit the number of guys going past second base. Is that what the gist is? The rules limiting the shift will require all four infielders to place both feet within the outer boundary of the infield. And there must be two infielders on each side of second base. It's going to be interesting. It really is. I really think that there are going to be a lot of guys whose averages go up. A lot of uh, people complain about the low averages. And I know there are more strikeouts because pitchers are insane. They're throwing the ball harder. They have wicked movement on these pitches. You know, there are guys who are throwing pitches that are 98 miles an hour with movement. That's frightening. So I know that there are a lot of strikeouts because of that. But there's also a lot of hits taken away because of the shift. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's going to be a resurgence, let's say, in batting average. And you're not going to see a lot of these guys hitting in the below 250s. And maybe some of these guys who are having issues getting their batting average up might be hitting more like 265, 270 instead of 210, 220. So Aaron Hicks is one of the guys that Gary Phillips mentioned, and this is what he said in his article, because he articulates it much better than I ever could. As a left-handed hitter, Hicks faced the shift 92.6% of the time over 325 plate appearances last year, the highest percentage on the Yankees and the 11th highest in Major League Baseball. But the switch hitter only saw the shift 6.5% of the time over 123 plate appearances from the right side. You tend to see that, though. Right? Because I remember years ago, years ago, when they used to shift on Jason Giambi all the time. And I always felt like the shift was usually only for left-handed hitters. You sometimes see it with righties, but it's usually left-handed hitters when you see the shift. So yeah, that'll, that'll be an interesting thing. He was below average in 2022. We all know that. And we will talk about that on his episode. <laughs> but 
he can use all the help he can get, really. And he has a 47.5% pull rate. So if shifts are cut down when he's batting from the left side and he pulls the ball and there's not that extra infielder with the triangle, and if you're not watching on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about because if you've watched enough baseball, you know exactly whenever someone hits into the teeth of the shift, as Michael Kay says, it's that one guy halfway through the outfield that always swallows up the ball and takes the hit away from whoever is hitting it. So, yeah, I feel like Rizzo and Hicks will definitely benefit from this. Matt Carpenter faced the shift 89.5% of the time over 152 plate appearances in 2022, the 21st highest rate in baseball. He's a 60% pull hitter, but he took advantage of the short porch and hit 15 home runs. So he might actually have a better season in 2023 if he stays healthy because with the shift gone and with his advanced age, and maybe he's not going to hit the ball as high and as far as he did in 2022. And this might actually help him. So that'll be interesting to see. Rizzo, 82.6% of the time he faced the shift. That was in over 539 plate appearances. That's 53rd overall. He was the Yankees' only everyday player who saw the shift more than 80% of the time last year. He made contact 78.7% of the time and pulled the ball 48.1% of the time last year. So yeah, he's definitely going to hit more. He'll definitely hit more. So this might actually, I'm, I don't want to predict anything, but I think if Aaron Hicks is healthy in 2023, if, same thing with Rizzo, because, you know, we had issues with Rizzo's back last year and the strange migraines from his epidural that he got from the back injury and Hicks was coming back from the wrist surgery which we all thought was going to make it a slow comeback for him but last year was just awful for Hicks so this shift restriction should help Hicks a lot so don't be surprised if you see a bounce back season for Hicks if he stays healthy Rizzo had 32 home runs yes his batting average was low but maybe it'll go up Maybe he'll have 29, 28 home runs and have a batting average that's more 275-ish, 280. That would be great. It'd be fantastic. And uh, one thing before we go, it seems Tommy Canely is getting some looks from people in free agency. He pitched for the Dodgers in 2022, and he posted a 1.04 ERA in just eight and two-third innings in September, but with nine strikeouts. He underwent Tommy John surgery in 2020, which ended his four-year stint with the Yankees. And I was so bummed when they lost Canely. Canely was hilarious. He was one of those guys who was just really gregarious and just, I liked watching him on the team. He was great. Um, but there are a lot of people who are interested in him. Apparently more than 10 teams are interested in signing him. Doesn't say if the Yankees are. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a Tommy Canely New York Yankees reunion. That could be cool. Tommy Tight Pants making it back. And if you don't know about that nickname, just look at pictures of Tommy Canely and you'll understand what I'm talking about. So coming up, we'll be discussing some of the infielders for the Yankees that we didn't touch upon yet. We're going to be looking at Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. 
Those will be the next two players that we look at. And any free agency news that pops up, we'll be talking about on the next show. And if anything happens with the Yankees, we will discuss it. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this show in every podcasting platform available. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. Click the bell notification so you know when our videos go up. Once again, I'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen today. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you.